Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Buffalo Bills Maybe Next Year, a podcast that doesn't sell your data to uh, Cambridge, whatever that thing is called. My name is Frank. Yes. I'm Paul. Yep. That's, yeah. uh, we did, man, did I, I assumed everyone already knows everything about me. I assume my social security number is out there. I just yeah. assume no one stole my debt. I, I really think I need to get terrible credit. Like just blow my whole credit, so I'm not a target. Makes me feel a lot better from having still stolen from you for all these years. Yeah, smart move, smart move. Yeah, no, I, you know, I'm with you, but it still is still a little creepy when like you just sort of like get a real look at like, oh, that that's like anyway. That's not what we're here to talk about. What we're here to talk about is the the new and improved um, Buffalo Bills, which of course you know is it's either new or it's improved, right? It can't be both. Uh, but the the uh, the Bills. Uh, let's see when we last talked. We had the big news that Tyrod Taylor had been traded to the Cleveland Browns uh, for the first overall pick in the third round, number 65. And since then, many things have happened, um, including Tyrod Taylor being named the starter uh, for the Cleveland Browns in 2018. Um, So there you go. Uh, Also, the Bills signed a bunch of free agents. They made a move in the draft. there was a terrifying incident with Zay Jones, which we'll talk about. Uh, but let's start with the, I don't want to say the minutiae, the, but the, the smaller uh, items. There was a, let's start with the free agent signings. Let's, let's first of all point out the Bills retained all of their exclusive right free agents. So congrats to fans of Nick O'Leary, Logan Thomas, Eddie Yarborough, and Lafayette Pitts. Uh, they will all be staying with the Buffalo Bills. Um, also re-signing with the Bills was Traveris Cadet, Taiwan Jones, Kyle Williams, which I think we talked about last time, uh, and Ramon Humber, which is pretty recent. Um, the Bills lose so far Sharice Wright, Chantrell Henderson, uh, and Preston Brown from their free agent list. So, and, and still no EJ Gaines, right? He's still a floating he's around. He's still out there, there. Yep. yeah. I am using the WGR uh, offseason tracker, which is a good page if you – WGR does do things that are good, and one of them is this free agency tracker, and it's just a very simple page, and it – it just, the information is here. Um, so that is what we have. Um, yeah, so who's the, the free agents left for, from the Bills are Joe Webb, Mike Tolbert, Deontay Thompson, who the Bills are talking to, Jordan Matthews, Brandon Tate, Jeremy Butler, Sean, no, um, Cedric Thornton, EJ Gaines, Leonard Johnson, and then Colt Anderson and uh, Shamarco Thomas. So probably not looking at like compensatory picks really for any of these losses. Um, but that's I okay. remember where Preston Brown was was maybe the third, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any any th- any thoughts on retained bills or lost bills uh, that you you know Preston Brown I think was the biggest story because it looked like he was maybe going to stay, but they couldn't agree to a number, and then he went to the Bengals. But right, I would <laughs> say go ahead, Scott. No, I was going to say it does leave a it does leave a bit of a hole uh, with Brown leaving because now. Mm-hmm. The front seven was already pretty thin. Obviously, we'll address that with one of the signings or two of the signings address that already. Um, But uh, to my mind, we still have a bit of a hole now at at middle linebacker with Brown, even with (coughs) Milano kind of taking up a bigger role this year, unless they're going to unless the plan is to really get Ramon Humber like more starting snaps because he clearly deserved them. Got passed by like a fifth round rookie last year. like I'm not sure that's really a good plan. So more work to do on the front seven, certainly. But I, that said, if I'd say not to tip my hand to later, but I think on balance the front seven is still probably a shade better than it was this time 
three weeks ago. So okay. um, yeah, I, I would agree. And, and we'll talk about the moves that they made on the front four part of that front seven. But yeah, I would agree with Scott. I think Preston Brown's really the only loss I'm looking at of the players from last year and thinking, yeah, that will hurt. Not that Preston was a phenomenal player, but he was a consistent player at the very least. And that creates a hole on a front seven that was not strong last year. So, you know, they need to work on replacing him because God knows it's not going to be Ramon Humber, which, you know, we'll talk about Ramon when we talk about their re-signings and acquisitions. Chantrell, he was a good depth player. He, he started a few games way back in the day when he first w- came aboard. Not going to miss him too much. Sharice Wright, another depth guy. Remember, he made a key interception in a game. I'm trying to remember who it was against. It might have been might have been might have been Miami, one of the Miami games, or maybe the Indy game. But I remember he had a key interception. Otherwise, he was pretty quiet throughout the year. And there was really no one else that was – who else was signed, Frank, from the Bills? I've, I've forgotten already. Who, who have you mentioned? You, I, I lost track Preston of where Brown they were. Henderson. There was one other, I think, who was – and Therese Wright. Oh, uh, Therese Wright, yeah. All right. So, yeah, so of that group, you know, I don't think any of those are, are going to be horribly missed and – you know, I'm I'm totally fine. They just need to replace replace Preston with someone. Yeah, the Bills didn't like, despite being nine and seven, didn't have a ton of great players, and, and they were sort of <laughs> age. They were sort of aging out in a lot of groups. So I think you're right that there's not a lot of. I'm, I'm less worried about who they're losing, and and I wouldn't say more worried about who they're signing. But <laughs> you know, it's it's how you replace the guys that's gonna that's really gonna matter. Um, so let's get to that. The Bills signed a series of free agents. We talked about Davis Ivory and Odie Gazua. Uh, wow, you got last... the pronunciation. Yeah, yeah right. I like, what I... you've been doing the last couple of weeks. I just you've been <laughs> learning that's the pronunciation. Why... Yeah, that's why we didn't podcast last week because <laughs> I was just like Odie Gazua over and over and over. Um, so cornerback, uh, running back, and defensive end. You would think I, I don't know. Maybe Davis is a starter, like right? But. Um, the other yeah, guys you haven't re-signed gains and brought in another significant cornerback. So I would think right. he's at least as I actually am holding a pencil right now. I'm going to briefly turn on my camera to show you I am holding a pencil. Um, but I think you can pencil him in as the starter. Very good. That's going to play so well on the audio version of this I know. podcast for everybody. Trust um, me, I, I will screenshot <laughs> that and put it on the, the blog. That'll be our, I won't that'll do be that. our, right. Um, the Bills, though, did sign a, a bunch of players, including basically like people before they were allowed to sign them. Um, they they had come to terms with star Latulale, uh, the defensive tackle from the Panthers. Uh, Raphael Bush, the safety from the Saints. Trent, Trent Murphy, defensive end for the Redskins, or Washington, sorry. Uh, linebackers Julian Stanford from the Jets. A.J. McCarron, one of the bigger later signings, uh, quarterback from the Bengals. Uh, Marshall Newhouse, offensive tackle from the Raiders. And Russell Bodine, center from the the Bengals very recently, I think just in the last few days here. Um, So obviously the big signings out of there are Star and then probably A.J. McCarron. Um, And then from there... Maybe Trent Murphy, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, for me, he was maybe in that next group of could be an impact player, but has some question marks um, there. And then guys like Newhouse and Bodine, I think, end up probably being depth for a very, very, very thin offensive line, uh, which leads into a story later. But uh, from that group, how do we want to how do we want to spend our time? Let's start with Paul this time. Paul, where do you want to start here and and, and direct the I, conversation with these yeah, guys? Yeah, I think you have to start with uh, with Star. 
you know, I'm low to try it, try, try it again, Frank. You, you actually got it. Lotulale. Lotulale. Mm -hmm. All right. So Lotulale. Mm -hmm. So starting with Lotulale, I think that's the biggest sign, not just financially. I believe it was a $50 million contract. It was certainly. Yeah, I'll pull that up on yeah, more than it More than expected necessarily. One thing I do want to point out, and this is the whole free agent pool so far is on the whole, which I was really impressed by. I did not think the bills would be especially active this free agency period with higher level signings because I knew the cap situation they were in. The bills and Brandon Bean specifically very smartly structured a lot of these contracts to, you know, push them, you know, uh, push a lot of the payments to next year and then dividing them up a bit. So they did not have big hits this year. And that's what allowed him to sign these players. And normally I that that strategy can be cringeworthy if it's a Whaley-esque approach and you're giving them untoward sums of money for many years beyond. But I don't feel that was the, the case in this sense. I think the salaries, you know, while, while Lotulele's salary the last four years of this is high, the Bills can actually get out of it fairly easily after year two and not be in cap prison as a result of it like they are with their what's going to be 45 million in dead money per what Brandon Bean was telling the media over the last week. But I'm starting with uh low to LA and it is a $50 million contract. I believe Frank. It is. Yeah. Total $50 million um, base salaries, three and a half, seven, six, six, and six. Um, and then there's some, the bonuses get prorated and, and, and the like, but 29, uh, just under 30 million of it is guaranteed. Right. And, and this is the reason I, I like this signing. It goes back to, there was, when the Bills loss got blown out in that stretch of three straight games in the middle of this season, I believe it was the Jets, the Saints, and then the Chargers in that, mm -hmm. that order. And Frank and I were, were arguing on, on Twitter about this at the time. And I was saying, man, they really miss Darius. And you're like, come on, that's unfair. You know, this isn't really going to define them down the road. And that probably was a bit unfair. We're throwing for 350 collective yards over three games. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> for, a lot of quarterbacks. two quarterbacks and yeah. nine interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a rough, rough month. Um, but the good thing was that the bills did rebound from that. The, the bad news is that still that hole was still clearly there and, and was taken advantage of by some other teams down the road. So now you've got that nose tackle. Who's going to, if you watch the all 22 footage on him, he is very good about eating blocks. He can eat, not literally, of course, but taking on two blockers at once, uh, freeing up hopefully the middle linebacker, whoever that's going to be, to take some of the you know take some of the pressure off, to hopefully make the Bills' running game a lot better, and anything he can add on the passing game will be a bonus. So I think starting with Star, that's the biggest sign. I think Murphy, he's gonna. This is kind of a, a wake up to Jerry and to Shaq Lawson. You know that that they didn't get a lot out of the edge rushers last year, so. They're bringing him aboard again. It's a lot more money than I think I would have necessarily paid him, but he seems to be a committed player. And again, it's not cap prison. If you end up, you got to keep him for two years. And then after that, you know, you can get rid of him without too much of a problem. I think the other signings, oh, and then of course, well, how could I forget the big one? McCarron, I say we might hold off uh, on the discussion for that till okay. it's a separate topic, but I look at the others are all depth. You know, Bush is going to be good secondary, a good good depth in the secondary at least. Though the Bills have not had good luck signing players named R. Bush from the Saints in the past few years. Uh, hopefully, he performs better than Reggie did. You know, Stanford, Newhouse, Bodine, all depth signings. We've seen that Bodine didn't rate very well on Pro Football Focus, but they need they need someone at center to either start in place of Groy or to back up Groy with Wood being gone. And he's a guy who started sixty games who can. And push that. Newhouse does a great flip, as we discovered on 
Sunday night football last year and he got flipped up in the air and fell over, but hopefully he provides some, some depth as well. So I, Overall, I think they spent more money than I expected. In one way, that was a good thing, the way they structured the contracts. I think they may have overpaid some of these players, but I think these additions all help the team, specifically the front seven that Scott noted was was fairly weak last year. All right, Scott, go for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, we... we... You, we're going to talk about the Cordy Glenn trade in a bit, which is mm-hmm. really a big part of this because that's Wait, you know, Cordy that, kudos to me for getting through that whole segment and not mentioning Kyle Williams re, and all the, and all the other stuff that affects the things I was, I right. was trying to talk about. It's it's hard because it's like because none of this is obviously in a vacuum. Like yep. obviously, like I think the defense is better now, but if we trade away Cordy Glenn and the offense is, you know, we're potentially bringing in a rookie quarterback to now have Deion Dawkins, who's a second year guy not super who did okay he did fine but he's also gonna have you know a sophomore slump or, like th- these all these things like we're taking some of that cap money that we were gonna pay cordy and we're spending it on these guys so uh, it's still concerning now that said like individually all the moves are fine like i like starla tulele i think he's gonna be a good player i think as paul said he's gonna eat blocks and that's good we're gonna talk about him probably when we get to wacky schedule because i like the idea of having like an eating contest type of one i think that might be something yeah. to um, but then, and then Trent Murphy agree. The edge rushers need help. I think it'll be interesting to see where they put him just because, you know, he did play linebacker, I think a little bit at Stanford. Um, and we could probably use some help on strong side. I think I would imagine. Um, but the, the, the other, but again, none of these can be completely taken in, in a vacuum. I would also say, I'm a little more, I don't want to say optimistic because that would imply that it'll be a good thing. But like, I'm more confident that Newhouse is going to see playing time maybe than Paul is just because like Jordan Mills is is not good. Like he's not really a good player. Newhouse is also not a good player, but ultimately like, you know, it's not really saying a lot. You know, having one average guy come in and beat another average guy is not going to be completely surprising. Um, so I think he could still see the field. Um, but other than that... Um, yeah, we'll talk about McCarran later. So yeah, I don't have a problem with the signings, but I do, I am starting to wonder a bit about the strategy overall sometimes, but, um, process. Okay. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, th- there seems to be some question about how much money they have left. Mm-hmm. Um, like right now on, on over the cap, it says they have 21 million. Uh, that would not include the money you have to a lot for, rookies buffalo rumblings had it at eight million dollars before incognito restructured his contract which i guess i'll bring up now was the way that they they basically came to him and said look if you want to play here you have to take a pay cut because we're not going to keep you if you if we can't afford you um and so he did he basically took a pay cut and restructured i think he ends up getting some bonus money as he got a million dollar bonus for it so it's not like he's crying to the poorhouse but the bills save i think one and three quarter million in in cap number this year right yeah so that adds to what would have been their eight so they might have you know you know conservatively 10 or 11 million dollars left they're kind of close to the top the other thing is like this the team like in 2019 is at 80 million in cap space and in 2020 is at 158 million in cap space. The, the, the remarkable thing about what the bills have done is they've taken these huge contracts. They've managed to turn not only like there's like, you know, almost like $36 million in dead money this yeah, year. And it's, it's going to, and being anticipated can be, it's going to be 45 by the time they finish 
the wood, you know, Eric Wood's going to be tacked onto that, right. whether it's eight million or ten million plus the cuts in camp. So he's at forty-five million in dead money. But you look at next year, Frank, and if you're on over the cap, yeah, nothing in twenty nineteen on the dead money list right now. Nothing and eighty million in space, and in twenty twenty, as I said, one hundred and sixty million, and. You know, obviously that will change because you'll need players, right? Like next year, they only have 40 players under contract and 12 under contract through 2020. So, and two through 2021, because I'm just sort of interested now. Um, Star Star Latulule is the only person under contract through 2022 uh, on the Buffalo Bills, um, just in case you were wondering. But they've not only, you know, moved out people in big contracts to make some room this year, they haven't really committed tons of money uh, to the future yet. And they've put themselves in a very good position uh, in the upcoming years to to get better at positions. Um, and so, especially if, as we talk about later, let's say they draft a quarterback who's halfway decent and that guy's going to be on a rookie contract for the next couple of years, as opposed to the Kirk, Cunning, Kirk Cousins $26 million a year you know, plan, the other way to get a quarterback. So, um, I'm excited from that regard. I, I agree with you guys. I think on all the, the player personnel decisions, I think that Scott hit that nail on the head about, you know, individually, each of the moves is good, but you know, the whole is maybe something a little different. Um, I think that I don't have any, you know, I wasn't pining for another, you know, quarterback. I wasn't pining for a particular offensive weapon. Um, so I feel like they've made good additions. I think I like the fact that, you know, the signing of Latule, their biggest free agent money-wise, was a guy that both McDermott and Bean would have been intimately familiar with uh, as a player, as well as as you know probably what they would project him to play out to be. Um, so if you're gonna spend money, at least they're spending money on the guy they probably know best that was available. Um, so hopefully he turns out to be a good fit. And then yeah, like I, if a guy like Trent Murphy bounces back that's great you know if the karen plays a couple of games this year you're probably in a tyrod taylor boat where he can win games maybe not you know uh you know maybe not going to prove himself to be a quarterback that you know is deserving of bigger contracts but he's going to get his chance probably uh and you know the bills don't have to be completely terrible in the interim um so good around the edge signings i'd say except for latule which i think really helps to settle down, even though, I don't know, nothing's quite done yet. Um, Let's talk about, let's take a break from player personnel uh, directly, because I think the next things after that will be the trade and the draft. And Mm -hmm. let's talk about Zay Jones for a minute, um, just to kind of... Yeah, lighten the mood. Right, I want to say lighten the mood, but just sort of like move it away from... You know, using people yeah. like building. Break up, let's go. You know let's what? go. Break up the monotony. Of yeah, well, that. it is because, like, you can talk about football players as building blocks and building a team, and that's certainly an aspect of what they do. And then here is a story about uh, the very human reality that players are people. Um, I only just—I don't know if you both watched the video, um, but I only just I'll watched it this video. afternoon. Yeah, I watched it last night. That was it, it's something to witness. You should definitely watch it if you're listening. It's startling. I you like if you want to watch the first 30 seconds, um, that's one thing. And then the second part where there's a lot of I, I say a lot of blood. It's not like a pool of blood, but like there is blood on walls and on the floor where he's cut himself. Um if you I I guess I should tell the story, right? Like there's right. a video of him from TMZ 
uh, I think it's like a security camera footage probably. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and then a, a cell phone video later of Zay Jones, uh, presumably at his brother's apartment in Los Angeles. Um, and he's in a hallway and he's naked and he is, um, I don't want to say clearly high because I don't know that, but he gives the impression that he's under the influence of a substance that is not agreeing with him at all. Um, and he is again naked and sort of trying to leave and his brother's trying to stop him. And then he slightly off camera apparently kicks a window that breaks and, and they're on foot. the 30th floor, mind you, which is important right. to note. Yeah. Right. On the, on the 30th floor. And according to the story, he, he had to be stopped from climbing out of the window. Um, and so then there's blood. They show this kind of blood from where his foot. And then he gets, he was arrested, uh, because he broke, um, the window, which was a, in Los Angeles, the way it's explained is anything above a $400 is uh, felony vandalism. So they, he did enough damage that the, the, it would amount to felony vandalism, which could carry a prison term and a big fine. Um, it, he has since been released to his parents, um, care or he's been released and he's now with his parents. Um, and he is, his dad said he's doing okay and everything, you know, that they're, they're, uh, hopeful everything's going to be okay. Uh, so that's kind of where we're at. The bills don't have any official comment other than they're aware the same with the NFL. Um, you, you know, I'm, I think that this is the kind of story where you could definitely, um, you could rightfully like be startled and bothered and upset by it. I think it is possible to start drawing inferences about not possible. People are in fact drawing inferences about what kind of person Zay Jones is and they are translating that into his play on the field and whether he's a good fit for a football team. Um, and there is just a lot of room because there's not a lot known uh, for a lot of speculation. My, my personal feelings on it are I just feel really uh, startled and upset about having seen that and knowing uh, not anybody that's like gone through exactly that, but sort of being familiar enough with some people that in that state of mind to understand um, that that's scary for them too, and it's scary for everyone around them. And I'm very thankful that he didn't hurt himself more or anybody else, and that he seems to be in a stable place uh, at the minute, even if not a good place. Um, so that's kind of where I want to draw the line on my analysis, but I invite both of you to to go <laughs> further than that, um, and we can talk about it more. I, I don't want to uh, taint the pool. Uh, do you? want to start scott or do you want to pass to paul uh i'll, I'll let i'll let uh, paul steal okay right. okay yeah, we're why it's family feud family feud right. style podcasting Here so we go. yeah there's so much and this could be name a substance that might yeah trick you here. i'm gonna i'm gonna say salvia some sort of spice some sort of synthetic marijuana is what people are are believing it is because 100 people 100 people surveyed answered on the board spice right all That's right good. See, I, they kept saying spice, and all I kept thinking about was Dune. <laughs> That's who I am. I was like the Kizak Hadarak. <laughs> At my age, you know what I think about? And, and we're, of course, the same age, but there used to be like the adult film channel called Spice. Yes, that's right. And you probably watched it scrambled like all of us. Yes. Yeah, there was, that was, there was, we, we didn't pay for those types of stations, but they Right, scrambled. but if you, if you right. sat there long enough, it would 
form into like a screen right. for us at like two when seconds. You're, and <laughs> when you're explaining to your kids how there used to be a dial tone, uh, when you you would you just take to pick up the phone, you'd also have to explain to them when you want to say view something inappropriate. You, and on TV, there wasn't a black screen to block you. There was just blurred lines, and it was crazy. I'm getting off topic here, shockingly. Um, but it's March. It's the time to get off topic. So, Zay, um, clearly under the influence of something. I don't think it's a stretch to say that. I think if anyone watching the video who's seen interviews with Zay Jones, who listens to what the media, who know him better than we do, have said in their interactions with Zay Jones, this person is not someone who is shown signs of recklessness or violence. So that definitely leads you to believe that there is some sort of substance involved. And I would be absolutely shocked, shocked if if there's not. Now, the hope is, and this is why I was posting on Twitter yesterday, is that is all that the um, issue is, that there's not some sort of underlying mental health issue, which has caused him to turn to these illicit substances to try to deal with it. Because the first person I I thought of in this, and others might agree with me because it's a Bills receiver, is is James Hardy, who had similar types of, you know, he, he had some drug abuse issues, but a lot of them were tied to a mental health, health issue that, that he could never kick. And then he tragically ended his own life mm -hmm. a year or two ago. And, and that's the thing you worry about with this. So I hope one that, you know, he's gotten the physical treatment he needs. Now he's back with his family in a supportive environment. That is very good. Now you have to give him the right type of rehabilitation and right type of ways to get, get past this generally, whether that's just on the drug front, stay away from whatever he was on, whether it is a mental health issue, which of course involves all sorts of complex treatment, depending on the nature of the, the illness or the, the issue going on. And you really have to hope that that's the approach that the, the bills take and the league takes. Will it lead to a potential suspension because there is a felony charge Possibly, you know, I think we're way too soon in the process to know exactly what the NFL is going to do with its incredibly inconsistent and random enforcement of such policies. It, it might, it might not. So we'll see how that plays out. I think most importantly, you just want to focus on, you know, what can the Bills and the league do to help Zay Jones so that this type of thing never recurs in in his life again. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much everything. I think. Uh, See, uh, so what happens when you pass on Family Feud? The other family can sweep the board. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. I think he covered all the bases. Um, I don't think that there's any bad jokes that I want to reach for, given that this is Good. sort of a serious situation. So I'll just stop talking. Okay. Okay. I. I. I don't know. I mean, there's definitely room for for. You know, I was reading it online. Like people were like, "Well, this is why we," you know the bill should cut him and like and i don't know i don't know like i barely even know what the hell happened and will be, uh, maybe that's an interesting point yeah i mean if this is this is the first test of what i would say is the sean mcdermott's god eyes kind of thing right like right he drafted zay jones and he is a high character guy um you know you can you know if this is a mental health issue then you can say that they probably didn't do a great job scouting though obviously some of that will come up you know some of that's just late on set you can't totally blame someone for that but if it is just kind of a regular old drug abuse issue then there would need to be some sort of penalty right yeah right there would be and there should be and i and there the thing with synthetic marijuana and i learned this because like three years ago on twitter someone was talking about synthetic synthetic marijuana and i go that sounds great like like not for me like but like and they were like no 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 it's like 
knockoff marijuana that's like really dangerous. It's not like somebody's made something that's kind of like gives you the effects of marijuana without the the negative consequences. Um, and so there is a chance that like if it was something like this spice that you know he didn't really fully understand and grasp what he was putting himself what he was putting into his body um <clears throat> which is not an excuse like you especially when you're a player and part of your job is to keep your body clean um you know both for uh health and policy reasons um you know that's it that, and that's part of the risk you have with taking it but it, it it might be a situation where um you know you know it's plenty more players than we are uh aware of probably smoke marijuana or do something right not saying all of them but i would say more than you know about are doing it that seems in uncontroversial to say and that if you got a hold of something bad that you know it, it might look like this and that the way it looks is actually a lot worse than what is normal for said player um that said you know if it, I, i'm i'm guessing that he'll end up being suspended um, I forget what I forget what marijuana is. I think marijuana is four times as much as domestic abuse in the NFL still. So um, <laughs> we'll see. He, you know, he'll probably get a couple of games and maybe it'll get reduced. And I'm sure we'll hear about Zay Jones having made mistakes and he's going to push past them and move past them. And he's here to talk about tomorrow. Um, we'll see if. Um, that is true or not. The, the only other thing I'll say is like throughout the year, other than like him dropping the ball, they talked about Zay Jones very highly. Like mm -hmm. they talked about him working hard and committing to the process and all of that stuff. So uh, yeah. it, it makes me believe that he wasn't some sort of like trouble at one bill's drive and that yeah, maybe this is an outlier. But right. and I think that's, that's it's all the way we felt about EJ and Tyrod, like underperformed, but, you know, great guy from everything you hear. And he never had issues with lashing out at people on Twitter, or being a hothead on the field or or selling out his teammates. So and, and based on the accounts of the a lot of the media members who are talking about him on Twitter that that we follow, you know, they said had nothing but positive things to say about their interactions with with him. And he had no sort of legal history before this in the draft or anything that, that led to the concern. So that is the plus is that it's rare that someone just starts acting out randomly in their early twenties and the signs haven't been there, which makes you think again, hopefully either that, that just drugs, hopefully, and that he gets away from them or it's, you know, drugs, and mental health and he gets treatment. All right. Uh, let's, let's give Zay Jones some space to recover then. Um, and what we'll say is the bills, uh, in here's the two big stories, right? Um, we've saved them for the end because we feel like we're going to chat about these. First of all, um, the bills traded Cordy Glenn to the Cincinnati Bengals, as well as the 21st pick, uh, to move up to the 12th pick in the draft, putting themselves in a clearly aggressive position. Uh, if not to take a quarterback at 12 to then move up again uh, with a second move to get into the top five or so. And just days later, the New York Jets uh, answered, question mark, uh, that move by trading from six into three uh, with the, um, the Indianapolis Colts, assuring themselves at least one of three quarterbacks, maybe one of two quarterbacks, uh, if – it is to believe, be believed that Cleveland and or New York might 
Giants might wish to take a Saquon Barkley uh, instead of a Kuzuma what's it uh, quarterback. Uh, so big moves on the front here uh, for teams that want quarterbacks. Uh, it certainly is reflected uh, in the Bills' um, free agency signings. They didn't seem to be going after big quarterbacks. It's certainly reflected uh, in what they thought of Cordy Glenn sending him to the Bengals. Um, it is certainly reflected in the Jets missing out on Kirk Cousins. If the Jets had gotten Kirk Cousins, they wouldn't have been moving up, and the Bills might have been in a better spot. But uh, Kirk Cousins went to the Vikings. So what do we think of this? I mean, I, I was very happy personally with trading Cordy Glenn, a guy that they were never sold on, and they turned him into, I felt like, a, a, a good – like this is the best asset that they could have gotten out of him because it mm -hmm. didn't seem like they really wanted him to play. Um, and I think getting 12 is a very – good spot because you know you're you're that much closer to the top um it's really just annoyed with the jets trade and i wonder if um looking at what the jets gave up for the third pick i wonder how much of it was the bills didn't want to pay more and how much of it was the jets sorry the colts didn't want to leave the top 10 right like how much of it was 12 is too far as compared to six let's start with um Scott this time uh, and we will we will then switch over to Paul either part of this or all of it however you want to discuss any of it so I, I started a bit earlier with the Cordy Glenn thing so this is a little concerning to me and I get that Cordy has been injured I get that um, you know we, we know that McDermott has a plan he has a process and that everyone needs to be on board yada, yada yada obviously you know he has some some suggestions that this worked at least some point uh to get us the playoffs last year so there is a bit of rope here i'm going to let him have um but trading a pro bowl left tackle is generally not a good idea i'm just going to put that out there like step one like i understand he's injured i understand we're getting pretty decent value for him because, you know, obviously we, we, you know, we got the kind of what would be a second rounder um, to move, you know, that's basically what those 10 picks would cost is about as in the first round is about a second rounder. So it's not, it's certainly not terrible value. Um, but I think I am concerned about us now drafting a young quarterback and then making Deion Dawkins guard his blind sign. And Deion Dawkins had a fine year last year. He did not make the Pro Bowl. He should not have made the Pro Bowl. He was not a Pro Bowl left tackle. Um, he is a good player. I hope he gets better. It's I don't want to say equally likely that he gets worse, um, but I would say it's possible he gets worse. It's possible he has a sophomore slump. It's possible he's got a ceiling on him that he's at right now. Um, you know, all of those things are not are concerning to me when we're putting this much these many eggs in the the future quarterback basket um i also think that frankly we also need a right tackle <laughs> because you kind of need good right tackles in the league too because having the quarterback get you know beaten in the face is not a good idea either um and i would have been much happier to have cordy at left and dion at right than do it another way but uh clearly that's not the way they're going obviously they are professional football people so maybe they know more than me but I, that's not the principle of this podcast. The principle of this podcast is that we are smarter <laughs> than everyone else. So as Ops. such, as such, my uh, my opinion remains. I'm a little concerned by the Cordy Glenn move. 
and I guess I will stop there for comments. Before All we right, I will. Uh, I will also stick to just the Cordy Glenn portion because then it will roll nicely into the quarterback discussion as we we uh, move on to the next segment of this. So, look at Scott brought up the very good point that trading a Pro Bowl left tackle is generally not a good idea, but he also brought up the point that Cordy has not been on the field all that much. So, you know, you have to, there's, there's ways this could look at the highway robbery trade for each team. If Cordy returns to the player he was before these foot injuries started dogging him for the last season and a half, and the bills do not get the value out of the, the 12th pick that they hope to get out of the 12th pick or can leverage it for a better pick and don't get value out of that pick. And Cordy pulls another Jason Peters and is there for 10 years and is renowned in the city and, you know, is part of a Super Bowl winning team there. The Bills are going to kick themselves in the head for, for this and, and it being a dumb decision. That said, the logic of it, I understand because as Frank brought up, they were having difficulty. I don't know if it was difficulty getting Cordy to buy in or it was just more that they couldn't get him on the field appropriately. But the the organization never seemed to fully commit to him or alternatively didn't get out of him what they were hoping to get out of. And they looked at this and thought, this is a, an enormous contract that we have. Deion Dawkins filled in capably last year. He didn't fill in as Scott noted on a pro bowl level, not nearly at a lot of mistakes. He could regress and become a different player. He could be who he is. He could have a sophomore slump and then rebound so early to judge. But I think the bills are looking thinking, well, we had a guy who performed capably as a left tackle. We have to buy in, believe he's getting better, and he is under team control for the next three seasons and then possibly another season after that if they choose to franchise or transition tag him or whatever it happens to be, uh, or not, or, uh, or do the fifth-year option, I should say, and then they can fran franchise and transition tag him. So they have a lot of control at a reasonable salary for four years with Dawkins, and that opportunity cost might be worth because if you move up to 12 and we'll get into the quarterback portion of this in a minute as we talk about the Jets and McCarron and all that either way you have a much better chance of getting a good player at 12 regardless of position than 21 or 22 and that's something Brandon Bean brought up in the press conference is you know they were looking at guys who they felt there was no way where they were going to fall down to the 21st pick and you know when he moved up to 12 all of a sudden you're up nine spots you have a really good chance of getting the quality player you want who can help your football team from from day one. So I am on board with the move. I definitely see the potential pitfalls that Scott pointed out, but I think when you're trying to build what the bills are going to build, uh, and I'm just trying to work in a build a bear reference, but I can't think how, when you're trying to, to build that you're, you're going to have to take some chances. And I think this is a risk worth taking. Hopefully it doesn't come back to bite them in the butt when we talk about it. Like we now talk about the Jason Peters trade. Right. But what even is like, being bit in the butt by this, right? Because he he has had foot problems and he hasn't been on the field. And this isn't like the Jason Peters contract, right? This isn't them right. saying we found an, uh, this guy undrafted and we can find the next one and we're not going to pay you like a left tackle. And everybody in the world can see that he's a great left right. tackle. Instead, and, let's spend our offensive line money on Langston Walker and Derek Dockery <laughs> and right. wasted on another guy too. And it was, oh, it was awful. Right. And so it's not that, and it's thankfully not even the same people. This is, you know, there's been, it's a little like Sammy Watkins, uh, maybe even a more acute case of it where like, yeah, he plays well, but what he doesn't always play. And 
there always seems to be something around him and that like, so he fits that mold. And if Sammy Watkins goes to LA and has a good year, which he didn't have a terrible year and now he's in Kansas city. And even if he has a good time there, like, is that really a reflection on the bills? If the player then gets healthy and then does well, because the, the track record right this minute is he's struggling and we don't know what to do with him and we don't want to pay for him to keep struggling. Let's see if we can get somebody else to pay for him to struggle. Um, and if they, if the Bengals turn him around, then, then great. Good for the Bengals. Good for Cordy Glenn. Um, I, I just don't know that there is, uh, you know, even if they, even if they do it, there's no reason to necessarily believe that he would have done it here in Buffalo because maybe the support staff there is better or the way they deal with it is differently. Um, but not, not to like dismiss the point. I think, I think it's, it's fair. I just, this doesn't seem like one of those deals where if Cordy Glenn is good from here on out, necessarily that should fall at the feet of the bills for not recognizing it because there is a, I think they know that he can be good. They just don't necessarily believe that he's going to be able to keep being good, um, which I just is different for me than, you know, like the Jason Peters things, which, which is just egregious that they didn't, you know, recognize that. Um, <clears throat> it's, you know, it, it, it could also, it, it could be the next Kiko Alonso, right? Like this guy's hurt. Let's get him out of here. And, you it know, it's so high on Kiko Alonso sold super high on Kiko Alonso and, <laughs> He's not been the same at all, and and really the return of Lashawn McCoy has has been outstanding. It's been you know probably the best Buffalo Bill in the last ten years. Um, I guess last... my point my point would be, and 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 you're not really saying my, my yeah. point is mostly this is about Deion Dawkins and less about Gordon. Yes, and if you'd ask me, would I rather have played like a second round and a fourth round next year to the Bengals? Or Cordy Glenn, I would have definitely taken the second and the fourth next year. Okay, okay, yeah. Well, there you go. I, I and I, I guess what Brandon Bean is probably thinking is, you know, not only do I get to move up, but I get this huge contract that I'm unsure I want off my books sooner. But you're right. I, I there was there was room to do that too. And if you're if you're um, and I think that leads into the quarterback part, right? Because yeah. I, you know, I think I think the fact the other reason he didn't do that is because he's not happy at twelve. Really, he can get to twelve as a launching point up, and so he needs that second and fourth as ammunition to offer, you know, somebody to to. He also to get needs whoever he gets drafted to not get crushed on the <laughs> second game. Right? That's everybody. I don't know. Like <laughs> draft the teams with good left tackles. Just draft a southpaw quarterback yeah, and trust yeah. Jordan Mills. That's, right. That's, that's, what, that's what AJ McCarron's there for, probably. <laughs> like, to be honest, like, the first five or six games, is Deion Dawkins going to get this young guy killed? Oh, he's not? Okay, great. He is? Well, you know, Josh Rosen's still working on his, <laughs> you know, delivery. Uh, and he will be working on his delivery until we get a, a, a <laughs> tackle in there. Right. Um, and there might be, you know, there might be somebody that they take in the in the high twenties or the second round. I don't think that they're done working on the offensive line here. But um, you know, look, he, you know, they've said before that they are only interested. They they've talked to all the quarterbacks that matter. They've made clear they understand the importance of the quarterback. I don't think you move up to twelve from twenty twenty one or twenty whichever it was um, to to tw without. You're, you're obviously looking for a quarterback here. There's like 
no doubt like that the Bills are gonna make a move or whatever they have to do to get one of these, you know, four or five guys, um, up to six guys. The Jets moving to three. Do you think that that Jets trade? Do you guys feel like we have to be ahead of the Jets? Because I feel like we have to be ahead of the Jets, personally. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not happy if the Jets get to pick a quarterback before we do, when when we really want one. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I'm not happy with that scenario by any means. I can grow to accept it simply. There's a, There was a good summary I saw somewhere, and I apologize that I, I don't remember where, so I can't credit the, the people who did the research, that they analyzed all the quarterbacks taken at number three for the last what 40 50 years something like that. old numerology right <laughs> right so they analyzed the median of those quarterbacks as blake bortles meaning half of them were better half of them were worse so if you're a fan you're thinking well you know the odds of us get if you get bortles that's pretty much a disappointment maybe he does some things but he's not a franchise you know, lead you to the promised land sort of guy, or at least he doesn't appear to be at this stage of his career, you know, at the, you know, about right. a third of the way through it. So I think it's so risky to just assume that the person, is, I would rather be had the Jets. I won't lie, but am I willing to keep trading away picks to get into the two spot or even the one spot, which they're not going to get in the one spot because the Browns are going to take the QB with one. You know, I don't think I I do it. I don't want to mortgage when they have so many other holes to fill. I don't want to mortgage it all to take a risk on a on a quarterback with those picks. Now, if you can get the number two pick and not, you know, and still keep, say, one second round pick this year, then I'm I'm okay with it. You know, but we'll we'll see what ends up happening. I understand that. I just would like to. Bring, start again. I understand that. What I would like to just remind you is that not remind you in like a like a sassy way. I'm not trying to be like no, smart. You can here. sass me if you want. And I have yeah, a counterpoint, point, but I'll after you sass me. But like <laughs> you know, there's 80 million dollars in in cap space next year, right? Like there's there's going to be there is going to be money to fill some holes after right. this year, and but, so and and the quarterback, if you can get if you can get the quarterback, and obviously that he could get crushed in the second game or he could be. Jamarcus Russell, I get it. But if you get the quarterback and it works and you have him on the rookie wage scale, okay, that's when Russell Whistle- Wilson wins the Super Bowl. That's when Ben Roethlisberger first gets the Super Like, that's it. It's, you know, it's costing you three or four million dollars a year instead of 30 million dollars a year. And you can build a team around that guy. Yep. If he's- and if they take that risk and it works out, I will definitely be. Uh, first to, to line up and say, yep, that was absolutely the right thing to do. Kudos to Brandon being in the organization. Frank, you saw that perfectly. My uh, being the, the fear, the, the, the pessimist I am, or maybe the fear monger. I don't know. I look at what the jets are doing now and they're taking what I call a, a Tannehillian approach to the quarterback spot. They've put $25 million in the off season into Teddy Bridgewater and Josh McCown. And now they've, taken a ton of draft capital they blatantly overpaid in terms of draft capital about mm-hmm. jimmy johnson calendar to get another quarterback anyway when they've already spent 25 million on quarterbacks this offseason i am glad the bills didn't take that route of put taking 25 million in temporary solutions and then spending draft capital trying to get the permanent solution so i i want the bills to i am fine if the bills can move up to two i would be thrilled absolutely thrilled I just fear what would be the cost. And you know what, Frank, you're absolutely right. If the 
if they do end up getting a guy who proves to be the guy, that Roethlisberger, that Wilson, who wins you a Super Bowl on his rookie contract, then it doesn't matter what the capital is. But I still, I the the lot the the businessman in me just worries about you know the 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 level of risk involved there. I we actually haven't let Scott talk. I yeah, I was gonna make sure that. That's fine. No, I'll, I'll get there. Um, <laughs> so this is definitely where you want to try and get a bug a listening device of some sort into the Browns and Giants draft rooms because you really need to know what they're doing because it's super yeah. frustrating because part of me, because like, that's the thing. Like if you knew, like I could very, like I could see Saquon Parley, Saquon Parley, Saquon Barley. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah Barkley, um, in the, I could see him going in the top four. And I could see Brad uh, Chubb, the Brandon Chubb, Bradley Chubb, the the D end. I could see him going in the top four too. In which case, all of this is pretty academic. Like you could you could take the Browns at four. You could take I forget who was at five, but you could take theirs. Denver, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know, there's a good chance that you could still get at least one of the your top three quarterbacks on the board. Um, obviously, if you're you're kind of like we were saying last week and or two weeks ago that you know this is really a two quarterback and then kind of three kind of guys who are in that like you know if it was Allen or Mayfield or to a lesser extent Rudolph, you know, at I'd be fine taking one of them at twelve. But Rosen or Darnold are not going to be there at 12. So to me, like if you think those guys are cut above, you do kind of have to get get up there. Um, I think it's frustrating because the Jets are in the division and you feel like you're going to be – it's a very long shadow to be like, are we going to be looking at someone in front of us that if we had only moved up sooner or moved up higher, we're going to be playing them for the next 15 years. Yeah. They're going to be beating our asses. Like – that is a terrible way to think about this. You really, need to, you really need to just do it academically and stick to your values and stick to like whatever your draft position values are, okay. stick to whatever your evaluations of the quarterback are. Um, I think you have to be smart about this. It's super hard to do that because they're in the division and because we're both drafting the same player. Yep. And we also uh, are coming from a position where we haven't seen that happen within the division. The only guy who's been dominating the division for the last 15, 16, 17 years was a, a sixth round pick. The Jets and Dolphins effort to trade up and find guys have all failed, but it doesn't mean it's bound to fail permanently. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely kind of, you know, you think this is the changing of the guard. You don't want to be left behind, but I don't think that because the, I mean, obviously the quarterback's the most important position, but I still don't think you can sabotage the entire next two seasons for that. Um, but that said, I'm honestly like not even sure that I would have a problem with them just giving away next year's first and moving up because I feel like that would that if you gave both firsts, maybe one second this year and there, or, you know, a third and then a first, like if we get the quarterback we want, if the quarterback we want is good, we don't need the first next year. <laughs> right. Like, we're going to be fine. Um, if we don't, then we're effed anyway because <laughs> right. the, the problem is going to take three years to resolve itself because we can't give up on him after one bad season anyway. Right. So um, to a certain extent, it makes almost more sense to do that with a quarterback than it does like with the Sammy Watkins deal, whereas a couple of years ago where you don't, you don't really know unless he gets injured, in which case that's definitely what's going to happen because we're the Bills. Mm -hmm. um, right. But, to be fair, a babbling toddler makes more sense than the Sammy Watkins deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
it's it's super frustrating that it's the Jets, but I don't um I'm not quite convinced that we need to just sell the whole farm. But I think I think a reasonable asking I think my definition of reasonable asking price might be higher than some pe- some other people's too. Okay. So you're you're yeah, you don't no nobody wants to give away everything, but you but you're willing to spend a little bit more maybe than yeah. than Paul. And I Paul, I want you to send me that article because I'm wondering if it was just the third pick overall quarterback or if it was the third quarterback taken because i think right. this year that might be the same thing in a lot of years it probably isn't um you know the <clears throat> there's a lot of talk and it's obviously like we you can always find um and we talked about this before because i i know one year i went through every first round quarterback taken since 2000 or whatever and i it was you know, 50-50, whether it was a good quarterback. But I think what's clear is after you get past that point, when you're taking quarterbacks in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, um, now that you can't hit on those guys, but then those become the stories because they are the exceptions. You know, like <clears throat> Brett Favre, Tom Brady, you know, uh, not Troy Aikman, the other one, Tony Romo. Uh, like those are all guys who made names for themselves, but more often than not, it's Nathan Peterman, it's Trent Edwards, it's, you know, the guys that you know that that don't end up being good quarterbacks. And for every Jamarcus Russell taken overall, no, number one overall, well, you know what? Like there's, there was a Troy Aikman and there was an Andrew Luck and there was a Peyton Manning. And even if you didn't, an Eli Manning, and even if you didn't take Eli Manning, there was also Philip Rivers that year. And so for me, the higher up you are, the more chances you have. Um unless you're going to take two quarterbacks in the first round, which is uh, frankly another way to do it. Um, then I, I want more options on the board. Um, also because if you're, if you're second overall, let's say they take the giants pick and they get the second player off the board. And even if it's the second quarterback off the board, you can really hang that on the bills and say, you, you wanted that guy, right? Because, if you take a guy at 12, they, they take like Lamar Jackson at 12, let's say he's there, um, and three or four other quarterbacks are off the board, you can say, well, maybe they really wanted Joss Rosen and Lamar Jackson they felt was a good backup plan, and if he's not great, then, well, do we really want to hold that against them because they took a guy and they, they wanted him, but it wasn't really the guy that they wished they had had. Um, if you go up to number two and you take Josh Allen and – like I want to rip my hair out and he's, he, he crashes and burns. Well then, you know what? Like, I, I feel like I know everything I need to know about you as a talent. Evaluate. Um, yeah. yeah. So there, there is a, there's a way of, a, there's a level of accountability because we're never going to see their boards. Um, that, that just is nice for me too, you know? So it's not my draft pick. So I feel like, you know, spend them. Um, I, the I, article, I feel by like, the way, I'm looking at it's Chase Stewart from football perspective. So, okay. I will- I am. Oh, and you're right. It is the third QB in every draft, I believe. So okay. it's 1970. So I'll send that to you right now. Right. So my guess is that there's there's a handful of like really good third quarterbacks taken because, and especially compared to the first two, I know there's obviously plenty of examples where somebody took the wrong guy first. Um, so, you know, it's not that you can't find a guy at 12. It's just that, you know, if you're throwing a dart, you I think you want more options to throw your dart. So, um, or, or more darts, you know, the other way to do it, be like, take a guy at 12. And if somebody's like Baker Mayfield or whoever's there, uh, or not Baker Mayfield, Mason Rudolph's there at 21. And you, you want to double down, 
get Mason Rudolph too and, and let them fight it out. And maybe, maybe, maybe one of them will be the, the right guy. Um, that's certainly not a thing that a lot of people do. Um, okay. So we will talk more about this probably before the draft. I imagine we'll have another. I have, I have one corollary question briefly. Please, please. And then I think we have this day in Bill's history and we'll yep. go. Do we feel ups? Do we believe and are you upset at all by Brandon Bean's claim that last weekend when the Jets trade went down, they did not have enough information about the quarterback prospects in order to make such a deal, even if they were aware of it or got, let's say, you know, the Colts called called the Bills and were like, "Hey, the Jets are going to give us this deal. If you want to beat it, now's the time." And then that was it. Now I don't think that's how it works in the NFL. Right. But if, but it, Brandon Bean's basically saying, even if they had done that, they wouldn't have made the deal because they didn't haven't done finished their evaluations of the quarterbacks. And they're not prepared to do that. Now, the, just to be clear, they are not asking the Bills to take a quarterback. They're just asking them if they want to trade the pick. Presumably, there is someone that's on our board that's worth the third pick. But theoretically, how do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I wish the Bills had done a better. That's really, with the Colts and what they might have done. I my understanding is Colts didn't want to trade out of the top ten, so it would have been difficult for them to swing that specifically uh, the trade they want. But I was disappointed that yes, they didn't feel like they were educated enough to make that move up. This is why you have scouts. This is why you have the Senior Bowl. This is why at this point in the process you should have some idea, you know, of who you might be interested in. I'm not saying you fully know who you're interested in because you they've only had 15 minute discussions with some of these guys at the combine, but you should at least think, you know what, we, is there a guy where that might be worth trading up to three? You're like, yeah, there probably is. So let's, let's make that move and then try and figure out a way to do it. And then the worst case scenario is even if you find out that maybe that guy isn't the guy you thought they were after you've had, you've had more discussions or watch more film, you're still going to get a hell of a football player at number three. So I was definitely disappointed that the jets seemed to be, more educated in their or had a more efficient process that allowed them to be bold and make a move that the bills felt they weren't prepared to make. So I'd, I'd agree with you there. Yeah. I think that it's, it's just hard to say because the difference between six and 12 is a lot. Right. And so it's hard to say how much of it, what, how much more the, the, um, losing it, the Colts were wanting from Buffalo to make up the difference you know, especially for something that was already over being overpaid as, as you know, by a, by a handful of metrics. I don't really believe that they don't have the research done because again, even if you don't know all of the quarterbacks exactly, you would still probably want to have the choice because you know, you'd want one of them. And so the higher up the board you are, and especially in a year when these quarterbacks are going to go quick, the more likely you are going to be to move up the board. So if, if, if they could move up, they would. Um, so the only way that wouldn't happen is if for some reason they ultimately decide they don't really like any of them, which I doubt because I think they've already clearly made up their minds that they like. You have to like at least more than one of them to move up this much already. If you only like Sam Darnold, you're not moving up to 12 because you know you're not getting him no matter what you do. You're not getting to that top spot. So you've already, we already know they've got to like probably three of them. Um, so that doesn't really make sense. The only other way I guess it would work is if you, you really believed like the best of them or the guy that you wanted was 
one of the ones that's going to be fifth or sixth, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, uh, Mason Rudolph, these guys who are generally considered on the bottom half of the six quarterbacks. And if you think one of them is that, then you might say, okay, it's not really worth it to trade up into the top 10 because, you know, one of these guys is going to make it down to us and we're happy enough with one of them or happy, happier with one of them. But that's not really a question of information. If you didn't have the information, you'd pretty much want to be as high as you could because then when you did have the information, you'd have afforded yourself as much uh, lateral movement as possible. So Bean's motive for, for lying then or obfuscating. He's saving a little fence, Yes, I, I think. He's just sort of trying to – and, and trying to make it like – Hey, maybe the Jets haven't done all their homework, right? Like we're we're making sure to do everything, and okay. and you know, right. I think I'll that's that. yeah. I you okay. know, and you just got to say save a little. You don't want to say, well, they they were asking too much because then maybe that puts off the the Broncos or the Colts. You, you know yeah. why? Because you're probably working with the Colts right now. You're probably saying because <laughs> the probably working with the Colts right now and saying, well, what's it going to take to get to six? Um, yeah. So you don't want to. Yeah say anything nasty about them or what they were asking yeah fair all right um this day in bill's history yes absolutely we'll get into it. i know we didn't really talk about aj mccarron but you know what after the draft next month we're gonna be talking about his role plenty so it's plenty yet to, we'll punt that one to the next one so we'll go uh this day in bill's history it is march 21st here uh some of the head shaking ones uh this day it was 2000 and uh I believe this was 2011. Bill signed productive pass rusher and Mark Anderson. We've got uh, this was was terrible, of course, as you know. Uh, we've got a new pass rusher added to our defense. Nick's beamed. It really is a big deal for us. Nick's signed time. We think this man's a lot better. He's about as productive as anybody for the number of snaps he played. And then they gave him uh, Mark Anderson a hundred mil, a six-year contract potentially worth 100 million. How many years did he play with Bills? Was it one or two? I don't even remember. Uh, so that was a, one of the depressing things that happened on this day. There was also Chan Gailey calling out first round pick Aaron Mabin and saying Mabin knows what's expected of him. The kid just hasn't done it. Uh, that's not shocking to hear that. Uh, one of the things that makes this a huge day in Bill's history, but this won't be the actual tip or the actual this day. The Bills signed the new lease for the home at Ralph Wilson Stadium, a 10-year lease, which is what has kept this team here. Uh, that was on this day in March 21st of 2013. So that was a plus, and that was a huge lease. And the way that was structured by Ralph Wilson was a final gift to make sure that, you know, the Bills would stay in Buffalo for the foreseeable future. And we'll see what the Pagulas are able to do. They, of course, don't seem like they have any intention of moving the squad. So that's all very good, too. But we're going to talk about this day in Bills history. We're going to go back to March 21st of 2006. And it's essentially just going to be a trivia question. One thing that we'll, uh, we'll ignore that happened on this day, Craig Nall signs with the Bills. So that, that's a big deal. Craig Nall. Focus on is a football game that took place the, this day between the Frankfurt Galaxy and the mm. Rhine Fire. So the Frankfurt Galaxy would end up losing this game to the Rhine Fire 10 to 6. Now there's a headline uh, uh, called Bills and NFL Europe week, week One Update, noting that this uh, Bills player turned in the most notable performance among the six allocated Bills players with 88 all-purpose yards to help lead the Rhine Fire to a 10-6 victory over the Frankfurt Galaxy. His performance was also noted in the uh, Sioux City Journal. They very much cared about this player. 
in the 88 yards that he accumulated during the game. That was more than any player in this game, except for Roger Robinson, the Frankfurt Galaxy great, who uh, rushed for 103 yards and made one catch for zero yards, which totals 103 yards. So, you know, this player was the the second best performer in that game. Didn't really know much about him with the, the Bills in 2006. You know, that's a hint I'll give. He was an NFL Europe guy. But can you name this this Bill who had a uh, a good day and a victory for the Ryan Fire? I think, in obviously, Scott has the answer. Um, but I, I I think you gave it away with the Sioux City, Iowa, yeah. and I'm gonna I'm gonna say Co College's own Fred Jackson. Um, but I'm sure Scott has a better answer. So Fred Jackson's very close, Frank. You, you I always get it. close, don't I? I <laughs> do. My, my resolution yeah. for 2018 is to get one of these, but days. <laughs> <laughs> um, the correct answer, of course, is Lee J. Jin. Uh, he uh, was born uh, just six months before yours truly in January 1983. Uh, mostly known for his badminton play uh, in the Korean uh, on the Korean national team, he uh, also played. Uh, he played in Asian games. He played in the Olympics. He got a, a bronze medal at the 2008 mm-hmm. Beijing games uh, shortly after his time on the Rhine fire. So, yep. He's uh, the, yeah, that's, he played for the Rhine fire as well. He did have uh, 88 yards in this game. So that is the answer. I was, however, if it makes you feel better, Frank thinking of Fred Jackson, who had the exact same number of yards that day uh, for well done. Yeah, for the the Ryan fire over the. That's Frank good to know that like they both they both did had the same number. Yeah. What are the? For, I, just, I think just honestly, the this box one's box mostly box. on I Paul. Have, I should have looked more closely at the mostly box. Mostly on Paul, exactly. Yeah, they, that there were two correct answers. Frank yeah. got one of them, but he just did not get the other. Well, I didn't get the real correct answer. I just yeah. got the you know the one that Paul was thinking, which was actually the wrong answer. Exactly. Um, right. I'd, I'd forgotten because, you know, as we know about uh, Lai Jai Jin, he ended up not signing that follow-up contract with the Bills because he had to go to the Thailand Open where he teamed with Wong Ji Man uh, in a walkover yeah. as a runner-up in, in his badminton yeah. game. So I, you guys I, know I, that there's a badminton world... Uh, f- what is BWF? What is the F? And yeah, that's what I'm wondering too. What the, the BWF, the Badminton World Federation? There we go. Probably, yeah, exactly. They have a BWF Super Series, a BWF Super Series Finals, a BWF Super Series Premier Tournament, but neither of those are the BWF Super Series Super Series Tournament. There's also the BWF Grand P and Grand Prix Gold. Mm. I think lot. they held one of those in your backyard. <laughs> Would you know it? Headquartered, headquartered in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Good the BWF was found founded in 1934 with 176 member associations. Wow. President there. Poole Eric Hoyer Larson. It this is, is like I'm gonna keep clicking on these names and I'm gonna like uncover the conspiracy. Like this is gonna be yep. like uh, the girl who kicked the hornet's nest or whatever. It's just gonna show up and go to put the code on Frank's screen. It's right. gonna be like, you've entered the demonic zone. All right. Why are why are my vitals on this on the screen? Who are these people at my door? <laughs> um, it is funny that you mentioned the guy's name because I'm looking at the locations of the internationals and like there's a Norwegian international, yes, but then all the rest are in Asia, Malaysia, Korea, Singapore, Indonesia. There's also Hungarian international, but then Singapore, Korea, German, mm-hmm. okay, Thailand, Malaysia, China, Chinese Taipei, 
not Taiwan. Political. Oh boy. All right. Let's. Uh, all right. Let's just... well, there is the All England Open. I was waiting for England to be on there because I believe they invented badminton. So I would hope that they get to occasionally play it at their country. So. Yeah, that's a good question. It says it was first played in the 19th century. Oh, there's a badminton club within three miles of my parents' house where I am doing this podcast from right now. Uh, Very good. You can take the uh, you can take the engaged couple downstairs yep. uh, and take them over for a game of yeah, badminton. It closes at 10 p.m. We can get a game in. So one absolutely. In. That's maybe said. next. Maybe next shuttlecock, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> now we have to hit the explicit tag, uh, which you will find if you search for our podcast. You can look us up on Google. You can search maybe next year or Buffalo Bills podcast will come up or maybe next year. Um, we can go. You can go to iTunes. You can go wherever you look for for podcasts, really. You can find us online at BBillsMNY on Twitter and Facebook.com backslash BBillsMNY. Uh, we are... We also have an email, uh, bbillsmny at gmail.com, which we never check. But, you know, other than then, like, I'll check and I'll be like, oh, I feel so bad that somebody emailed me. But um, feel free to reach out to us. Let us know what you thought of the show. If you have thoughts on the bills, uh, we're happy to chat with you. We will do another podcast probably before the draft, I would think, uh, you know, depending on the news level. Um, and then certainly after the draft for reactions, and then we'll get into the, the new season. We'll start season seven shortly after that. Um, wow. So, what are we doing with our lives? Mm, you know? Seven years. And you're having wow. kids, have kids and jobs and all sorts of updates, but man, seventh year of maybe mm -hmm. next year. Yeah. Let that one sink in folks. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, until next time, uh, my name is Frank. Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.